Bedrosian throws to Sandberg, and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it, throws to first. It's over. 27 years of waiting have pumped on in. The Giants have won the pennant. Welcome back to the Thompson and Clark podcast. Brad, we are not live streaming this week. How do you feel going from... Not quite live television, but live internet streaming. We were, our hearts were racing a little bit. We were kind of on it. I was exchanging out Facebook comments that you'd never seen. And now we're back to the calmness of podcasting. I liked it. I liked the, um, I liked the change up of it, so to speak, the uh, Logan Webb change up uh, that we got thrown last week. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, it's nice to do this too, but I'm looking forward to already uh, doing another uh, live stream because I, I like the questions from the audience. I like um, being on my toes and stuff because, you know, we talk about, we, you and I kind of go over stuff that we're going to talk about before the podcast and we kick around ideas. But with that, it's like, yeah, this is what we're going to do, but we don't know what direction it's going to go. So it's fun. It's really enjoyable. And this is good too, because now we can kind of wrap up the week, talk about next week um, and uh, throw in some other fun stuff too. Yeah, we have to figure out what the rhythm will be with the live stream because I really enjoyed it too. And we could literally do it every week because then I just take that audio and put it up as the podcast. But I think we should fit, you know, we're going to figure it all out. There's a strategy to it. You can't just go live every single podcast. Um, you know, we also have to increase our YouTube subscriptions. We, we are putting the show on YouTube, but it's not like there's anything dynamic about that content. It's just up there. If you want to listen to it, there's no pictures. There's a picture of us, but there's no moving pictures. So, you know, the, the YouTube channel hasn't really grown, but with more stuff like live stream, then, you know, maybe people will be more inclined to uh, subscribe. But I, I guess that's my ask is to the people who listen. If you do have a YouTube subscription or a YouTube account, Definitely hit up the Thompson to Clark page. Give us a subscription. Uh, we would love to do more with the YouTube page, but I know the audience is is kind of uh, really small right now, so kind of limits what you can do. But in the future, I, you know, I think we're going to do more of these, and, and hopefully, as more people subscribe, then we can get more interaction. And one of the things that we haven't done yet, which will be pretty fun, and we'll have to sort of figure out the right rhythm to this is. You know, Brad is watching as many innings as humanly possible. And I'm kind of checking in and out. Like, I'll have the game on in a different room and I'll have it on and I'll come in and I'll come out. But, you know, I'm checking in with my wife and kids and we're watching other stuff. We're doing other stuff. So, like, we could technically, like, pop in at any point in a game and go, okay, we're going to do kind of like a watch along thing, games on in the background. We're going to pay attention to the game, but we're going to talk about all the things that happened so far. We could do stuff like that. Interviews. Anytime we, you know, I think uh, everyone really enjoyed the Darren Chan interview. I think people enjoyed Ash when he came on. And so by doing the live stuff with the software that I use, 
you know, we could we could add a third person to the booth and uh, do those things as well. So we'll we'll think about different options. I, I liked it was kind of a test. Like I I've done a few of these from the producing side, but producing and talking at the same time, there's a skill set to it and. The more that I do that, the more I'll be comfortable with it. But I, but like you said, I like I kind of like being on. It feels like oh, there's a little bit of pressure here. Your heart's beating a little faster, and it, and it feels like, and like you said too. I mean, sitting, getting that feeling of sitting and watching the game with other people. That's what baseball is all about. Baseball is not one of those games that is most comfortable sitting by yourself on the couch watching three hours and not talking to anybody. I mean, baseball is a communal game. You go to the game. It's not the fastest game in the world. It's slow. Everybody knows that. That's the beauty of it, though. It's not constant nonstop action. Um, There aren't many sports that are like that, uh, but baseball is one of the slower ones, but it gives you a chance to dissect the game, gives you a chance to really talk about the players, uh, talk to your family member that you brought to the game with you, the guy in front of you, the person behind you, just kind of kick around ideas of how this game is going. Oh, you know, there's so-and-so in the bullpen. That's a good move. Uh, I wish he would have made that last inning. You know, just having fun, having a beer, having a dog. So, uh, you know, I, I would absolutely love to do that during a game with as many people as possible that could hop on and, uh, just, you know, just kind of kick around some fun stuff about the Giants. But I think it's a requirement, though. Every, we got to make some hot dogs whenever <laughs> we do that. because It wouldn't feel right if we don't. <laughs> or you can pour yourself a beer and say, I just saved 20 bucks. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I was going to save this for the end of the show to get our thoughts on it. But since you had mentioned, you know, baseball being communal and going to games. So the Giants just opened up fully vaccinated sections and they put those tickets on sale. Uh, They're single game tickets, but also uh, you can accommodate uh, more than four people if you want as well. So I think this is a way that they're trying to increase capacity for May, even though some of these games that they had last week, there was not that many people there. <laughs> no. I was like, oh man, it's really cold. I don't yeah, when blame they were you. Throwing out the number of like uh, 3,500 tonight. I'm like, mm, okay. <laughs> I so, mean, and the team's playing well, so yeah, yeah. You know, it's got to be a combination of yes, they're not allowing a lot of people in the ballpark. It's April, you know, April San Francisco weather. It could be, it's it's might as well be December here in Reno for crying out loud. So you've got that, and you've got the combination of a lot of people still aren't comfortable getting together in groups. So that big combination of everything right now going on. Okay, so if you wanted to sit in a vaccinated section. These are the uh, details. Those sections are sold in full capacity, so no social distancing whatsoever. Uh, The fully vaccinated sections are reserved for persons 16 and older who have been fully vaccinated. What does fully vaccinated mean? Fully vaccinated means 14 days after receiving your final dose of Pfizer, Moderna, or Johnson & Johnson vaccines. You can actually bring children who, you know, obviously children aren't being vaccinated at this point. Children older than two and less than 16 can accompany their parent, but they have to have a negative COVID test, which is interesting. Uh, I don't I haven't seen uh, any children really take these tests, which is a, a thing. You know, I, 
Do you, your kids, when they went to school, they didn't have to test negative, right? No, <clears throat> no, nothing like that. Um, we are scheduled for Hawaii in July. Um, oh, us too. Yeah. So at this point, I think all of us are going to have to have a test of some sort, even though uh, Denise and I are both fully vaccinated. You know, it, as you've seen, you're probably keeping your eye on it. It goes back and forth with Hawaii. You don't know exactly. It changes like almost weekly as to what they're going to do to let people in. Are you guys just going for family vacation? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We go every few years or so uh, with Denise's parents. We have a good time. Uh, we go to Maui, hang out, put my toes in the sand, do a lot of snorkeling. I love snorkeling. Have a blast doing that. Uh, and then do some hikes, too. We always like to try to find some hikes. But mostly, I like to just sit on the beach and eat poke. That's kind of <laughs> yes. my thing. <laughs> nice. No, it, it's kind of cool that you said that because... So when, when Crystal and I got married uh, in August, obviously our uh, idea of the wedding got changed with the pandemic. And so we, you know, we did the wedding sort of here and we didn't go on our, our normal honeymoon, which was going to be to uh, Hawaii. And so now, you know, we we paid for the honeymoon. We paid for everything. <laughs> Uh, we're just going to go this year. So like to sort of celebrate our one year anniversary. So we'll be out there as well Probably later right. in July. I don't know when you're going in July. Excellent. Yeah, we'll be right around the middle. Uh, what what island are you hitting? Uh, Kauai. Oh, nice. That is the island to go if you don't have kids. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Excellent choice. And then uh, children 24 months and younger may accompany their fully vaccinated parent without a negative test. I don't do they have if you're 24 months and younger, you probably also don't need your own seat. Um, no. I, <laughs> yeah. As you remember, well, uh, you're not going to sit a two year old in a seat. No. And uh, have him just sit there and do nothing. <laughs> and you have to present your vaccination card or other proof with your photo ID. I imagine those lines will be very long. And then you have to wear face coverings at all time, except when actively eating or drinking. So there's your vaccination section details. Now, we've actually talked about this before. Would you go to a game because you're fully vaccinated? You were sort of negative on it because you would still have to come home and your children children would would be uh you know you you could essentially get something and still pass it on even though, even though you wouldn't necessarily uh get it but now in a fully vaccinated section would you be more interested in going actually i would not um and full disclosure here we do i did buy tickets four tickets uh for the reno aces uh, in May, late May. So the four of us are going, the two kids who are non-vaccinated and the two of us, but we did get front row seats. Um, there's going to be four and then there's, uh, four empty seats between us before you get to the next person. There's nobody directly behind us. I looked at the seating chart. I was like, well, this is good. And we're just driving to the ballpark, getting out of the car, going to the game, hopping in the car and driving home. San mm -hmm. Francisco for us would be a whole different thing because we'd have to do the hotel. Oh yeah. Stay oh, yeah. in the city. Um, you know, there's a lot more factors to it. Um, I still think 
right now, even if it was just Denise and I, I still think I would rather sit in a different section and wear a mask. I don't know why. I think just still at this point of the ball game, uh, I, I think I feel more comfortable with that. But again, if if they did stick me in a section, they were like, "Oh, you don't have to wear your mask." I, I would. Feel no, I, it looks like people okay. still do have to wear their masks, even oh, though do. in okay. the vaccine section. Okay, well, they're not distance, but they still have to wear their mask. Right. You're, you're right, because it does say face coverings are required at all, all times, except while actively eating or drinking. So I think I'd be okay with that. I still think, just the way I am, I don't like crowds of people mm-hmm. thronged around me. So I think having a different section where I knew there was going to be nobody behind me, nobody in front of me, nobody the sides of me, I like that. Just I like that on any day. COVID or no COVID, mm-hmm. I just like sitting away from people for the most part. So basically you're saying so. you you enjoy Candlestick Park on a Tuesday <laughs> night when there's 5,000 people there, you and the seagulls. Yes. Yeah. Before before they put up those, uh, the $5 bleacher seats in uh, 1993, we used to go, a bunch of friends, uh, you know, we'd pick like a Wednesday night game and we'd go up for, there for the $2.25 seats in left field and look through the chain link fence to watch the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, surprisingly, there would be some nights where there would be a lot of people. Uh, but then, of course, there were other nights where it was us. And there was nobody else. Yes. Um, but I, I do enjoy that. I do like being away from people. And it's funny I say that because we go to Disneyland every year. Yeah. And you want people. I mean, that's the biggest place for people. Um, but that doesn't bother me there for some reason. It really doesn't bother me at ball game. So honestly, when it comes down to it, I think I would I, I would go in either section. Really, it depends on how good the seats were. Yeah. I uh, I think like I'm not going to go by myself like that's just not going to I I'm not going to go by myself and sit either in a vaccinated section or non vaccinated section. And still, I'm 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 only one shot in. So I I wouldn't even be able to go until late May. But if it was, let's say, my wife and I, I think we'd pretty much be sort of what you said, more comfortable in the socially distanced area just because we haven't been around people in so long. And and it, I think it would sort of be a little shocking to just be right next to people. Eventually, we'll get more comfortable with that. Everyone will eventually have to go back to work and, you know, ride public transportation, though that's something that I'm still kind of <laughs> iffy on when it comes yeah. to going back to work for myself. But yeah, like like that's that it would be more the shock of it all. And the anxiety of it, even though everyone's vaccinated. So you so just mentally, you should be OK. But I think it'll take a, a little while to adjust mentally for that because we're just not used to it right now. Yeah, I I think that kind of plays into quite a bit of it. Um, you know, and, and there's there's variants of COVID-19 going around. There are different things. Um, India right now is exploding with yeah, COVID so numbers. Sad. So, I, I you know. We're not out of the woods. It's it's not a time to rip the masks off and everybody get together and face to face. Well, dude, did time. you see the UFC show this weekend? I did not. No. So they had. Now this is Florida, right? Which is a different story. It's almost a, a different, different, a different world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Jacksonville, Florida, fifteen thousand people, masks not mandatory and indoors, packed. To the rafters. Wow. That, yeah, that I would never be comfortable. <laughs> and, and, and I'm sure there was no 
you know, show us your vaccination card and you can come on in. I'm sure it was nothing like that. Same with Texas. I mean, the Rangers packed the ballpark on opening night. No masks to be found anywhere. Thankfully, uh-huh. it looks like it wasn't a spreader event, which may give some even more credence to the fact that outdoors just makes everything so much better. But do you trust Texas and Florida to give you the... That's that's also true. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't. It's also very much true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Enough about this stuff. Let's talk about some baseball. Uh, the Giants had a great week. Now, we 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 had sort of the the rhythm to these Giants games were, you know, they'd score two runs, give up one. They'd score three three runs, give up two, and that what there there wasn't a lot of change there. They still won games like two zero, three zero, five three, four three. But there was a game in there that was a ten seven game where the pitching did not dominate. And they did have to score runs, so they played a little bit differently there. But this team is going to be so reliant on the starting pitching. The starting pitching, which I think, well, combined, obviously, no no, no pitchers going deep enough to get a shutout on, on their own. But I think Giants have five shutouts this season, which is a really strong number. I think they're tied with a bunch of other teams in the NL for, for the lead. Uh, but these all these low low run scoring games, the National League, they are the they have the second lowest ERA to the to the Padres, and they're not doing it by striking out a ton of guys. Because if you look at the the pitching strikeouts, the, they're not near the top of that list. So I, I present all this information to you, someone who watches this team very closely, someone who is not, uh. I guess you would say snookered by some of the luck stuff, some of the stuff that may they may not be able to hold up for the entire season. You look at it, they're now 14 and 8, one game behind the Dodgers in the West. Uh, I think they're the tied for third best record in all of baseball through, you know, 20 low 20 something games. How much of this to you is real? And how much of this to you is somewhat of a smokescreen? You know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to throw percentages out there. And and, and I'm going to say, honestly, from what I've seen, I can't digest fully what it is that I'm seeing so far. Um, This is a very, very good pitching team. They have a tandem of catchers to catch this pitching staff that is unmatched in Major League Baseball. Buster Posey, you know his track record. Kirk Casale, you you said the Giants have five shutouts this year. He's caught all five of them, which is amazing, and he almost caught a sixth yesterday. Uh, He was on track, and what what did they give up a run in the seventh or eighth? I can't remember exactly, Um, but he was on track to catch number six in a row. And so... From a pitching standpoint, from a bullpen move standpoint, uh, I have to say this team is really, uh, I'd say, about 70% legit, 30% smokescreen. On the offensive side of the ball, um, they are starting to hit the ball. They are starting to drive in runs. But then anytime that happens, it seems like things get pulled back. I mean, this week... You've got Brandon Crawford, Belt, 
Longoria, Solano, Yastrzemski, they're all banged up. I mean, those are starters right there. And the Giants are still winning ball games, uh, four to three, five to two. So they're winning those very close games. If you look at, you were throwing out some stats here, and, and, and I, I want to look at saves. The Giants lead the National League in saves. That means there's a lot of close games. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like you said, too, I mean, their Ks per nine are 9.09. There are, let's see, one, two, three, four, uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten teams better than them when it comes to Ks per nine. Uh, in the National League. And there's only 15 teams. So that tells you, like you said, they're putting the ball in play. Um, you know, the pitchers are, are, are allowing the uh, opposing teams to put the ball in play. They're making plays. They're getting the outs. They're not hard hit balls. Um, but on, but again, going back to the offensive side of the ball, they're doing just enough to drive in runs. And and I, I mean, somebody mentioned yesterday, well, it feels like 2010. No, I mean, because you, you, I don't feel like you've got Lincecum, you've got Bumgarner, you've got Kane out there just dealing. It's not like that. You've got these these pitchers right now who don't really have the track record that those guys did. The DeSclafani's Wood did, you know, but but he's had a lot of injuries. Gossman really just came around last year. Um, Sanchez had the track record, but then stunk and then got hurt. So and they're still not letting him really let it loose. It doesn't no, seem and, like he's a hundred percent healthy. No. And he threw what? 97 in his, uh, in his showcase. And what was he hitting the other day? 89. Yeah. So, I mean, he's not fully there either. I think Kapler is actually pulling the right strings. And that's <laughs> last year we would have said, Oh man, I, when is Kapler going to start pulling the right strings? Well, this year he's doing it. Um, and I can't find it right now. Maybe you could pull it up. And if you could, if you could read off tonight's lineup for me, because with the injuries that this team has, I, I look at the lineup for tonight and I go, well, this team would be lucky to score a run tonight, but somehow they're going to score four runs and they're going to win four to two, <laughs> and that's that's just the way it's going to happen. Um, let me let me see amazing. if I can find it here. Yeah, sure. Uh, do it, I, okay, I have it. Okay, it so is, go ahead and read off this fun lineup: Austin Slater, okay, Flores at second base, the handsome one, Brandon Belt, Evan Longoria is back, so he's hitting cleanup at third base. Posey, Ruff, Dickerson, Dubon at shortstop, and Desclafani. Yeah. So you've got up the middle Flores and Dubon. That's not something you would have said, hey, this is going to be... <laughs> that, that might be rough. <laughs> it's going to be a little difficult. So they are going to have to score runs. But DeSclafani could also pitch a shutout as the track record has been this 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 year. Um, he's got Posey behind the plate. He's been just absolutely dealing. So, so you're, I'm starting to expect these games, which I'm trying not to expect them because I don't want to get hurt. You know, <laughs> you don't want, you don't want to sit there and go, oh, the Giants are winning these close games, you know, four to one, three to two, uh, one nothing ball game. Um, 
because it can easily just turn around and bite you and they could lose those games, but they haven't shown it yet this year. And like you said, they were five and two this week. And again, how many times have we said, Hey, the giants were five and two this week could have been seven and oh, those two games that they lost were close games and they were tied going into the eighth or ninth inning. So they're losing late games. Um, not at a tremendous clip. They're, they're outpacing themselves and wins by winning close games late versus losing close games late. But, but as you see the scores and as you see when the runs are happening, you see that it could easily just kind of flip. And so I'm a little worried about that, but, um, you throw a lineup like that out there tonight and you say, well, could tonight be the game where the giants lose a heartbreaker? I don't know. I mean, this team is funny. I, I, I can't get a read on them yet. The, The team that I kind of look at when it comes to, okay, there, there are two teams when I look at when it comes to getting to the next level. Like, I, I don't think that you can go from, you know, bad team to all of a sudden awesome team, unless you do some crazy things in free agency. But the two teams that I reflect back on are the 1986 uh, uh, Giants, that young team. You sort of saw some competition. They were competing, and then they were not the better team. Houston Nationals were the better team that year. But that gave those young players the uh, repetitions to uh, to play really important competitive baseball. And then by 87, they were there and, and they they were in the playoffs. And then the other team that I think about is a team that is not, I mean, it, it's kind of in our rear, rear view mirror, but it's the actually not the 2010 Giants. It's the 2009 Giants because the 2009 Giants were very competitive. They won 88 games. So you go 88 and 74, but they still finished in third because the Dodgers won 95 games and the Rockies won 92 games. And that team was very much so carried by the pitching. Lincecum, I think Lincecum wins Cy Young. Uh, he's 15 and 7, 2.48 ERA, uh, striking out 261 batters in 225 innings. Even, you know, Kane, that was a stellar, stellar Kane year. 14 and 8, 6.36 ERA. And then, you know, even Barry Zito, for as much as we hated some of those Barry Zito years, he, his, his ERA was just a tick over four, gave up less than a hit per inning, and uh, actually had some good strikeout numbers. So the pitching, you know, and then we, had, we, had, we had a young uh, Dirty Sanchez there. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but the pitching, you know, when you had those two aces, uh, you know, you, you were at least comfortable on two out of those five games, knowing that Linscombe and Kane were going to throw. The, now, the pitching is a little different, but theoretically, you go, Gossman, we're going to be in the game no matter what, right? Yeah. And now, it might be Desclafani. It might be, oh, when he pitches, we know that no matter what, we're, we're going to be competitive. So, that's that's an interesting possibility. Now, you know, from a bullpen perspective... Uh, that Giants bullpen was uh, not quite as uh, as stellar as maybe you would have wanted, and that's probably part of the reason why they, you know, they maybe fell short there. But um, you know, Bri- uh, Brian uh, Brian Wilson uh, as the closer had thirty eight saves, and he had he had a pretty good year. But you know, any time with Brian Wilson, it was it was scary at times. But you know, do you remember the great Brandon Metters? 
Oh, yeah. Had a very solid year. Yeah. Bobby Howry had a very solid year. Uh, Jeremy Affeld had a great year. So, you know, the, the back end of, of, of the, because they had to throw out so many pitchers, like Sergio Romo, uh, you know, pitched 45 games that year. Uh, the great Brad Penny pitched six games that year. Justin Miller pitched 44 games. So, you know, they didn't have the stability necessarily that you hope this bullpen does. But the one thing about this bullpen that's actually kind of interesting is, and I had a conversation with somebody uh, on our Facebook group page, which is they may not have like the one or two guys who are, you're like, oh, they're going to come in and the game's over. I think Mac Cheese has kind of, been that for us though he's had the though he had the one bad game um but i'm i'm still not comfortable when tyler rogers comes in even though he has like a one point something year hey i still get really nervous when he comes in yeah um but they have the ability to run out these younger guys uh santos um uh uh your boy from last week um uh doval and those young guys are kind of pushing up and now all of a sudden you know that relieving core is competitive and if you are a uh, a right-handed reliever and you have a couple of bad outings and you have Santos coming in throwing 98 and then you have Duvall coming in throwing 97 you're like oh man like this is actually a competitive relieving staff and then you have these hungry young guys so i think you know Gabe can figure that out, but I think part of the goal here is let's make sure that nobody thinks that they have a spot and everybody's got to compete for their spot. Because you remember at the beginning of the season, we were kind of like, huh, how come he didn't even really name McGee the the uh, the closer? Like he just, you know, it's all, yeah, Jake's going to throw some innings for us there. But he never really said he's the closer. He's going to, you know, he's going to throw our ninth inning. It was more like, oh, yeah, like he's good. So we're going to put him there for now. And I wonder if that's some of the strategy, which is, Nobody really has a spot and we're going to be able to throw multiple guys and just see by the end of the year who's done the best and and see how that works for us. Well, and and you're right. And that puts a ton of pressure on Gabe Kapler because, yeah, I mean, these guys can get away with not knowing what their role is. They just know they need to come in and do their job. Um, you know what? 10 years ago, guys always talked about, I like to know what my role is. I want to know what my role is, blah, 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 blah. Now, not anymore. Now it's just, I need you to go in there and get out. You need to be ready to come in at any point, get out and win the game. And I think the giants have that mentality set in these guys. And I, and I don't think that's going to be a problem going forward, but it does put a lot of pressure on Kapler because he can't go to his presser after the game and say, well, you know, uh, let me pick out Tyler Rogers here because he did have a little bit of a rough outing yesterday. So he, he can't he can't just say you know Tyler Rogers is our eighth inning guy and uh, he had a rough uh, rough outing tonight, but he's going to be out there again tomorrow. No, he's going to have to answer to why he put Tyler Rogers in in that spot, and then because tomorrow night it might be somebody else. And so I think that makes it a little more difficult on him. It's a little bit more pressure on him, but I think he likes that. I think he's trying to prove 
what happened in Philadelphia the first two years he was there was kind of an aberration. It was something or something he was building, really, something he was building in the way he worked the bullpen and used the bullpen. Um, and so he, I think he's trying to prove that now with just like this guy comes in here, this guy comes in here, this guy comes in here. I mean, it was a three, uh, three different guys got saves this week, right? Uh, it was uh, Peralta, uh, Rogers, and uh, Mac Cheese. All three of those guys got themselves a save each. So it could be at any given moment that you're tossed into the fire. Um, you know, if I was a pitcher, I think I would thrive off of that. I would enjoy that, that mentality of going into a game saying, I don't know what my role is today, but I hope it's big. And I hope I come in and, uh, you know, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to get guys out. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use my best pitches. I'm going to trust because Sally, I'm going to trust Posey. I'm going to go in there and uh, to trust this coaching staff and what they've taught me and what they want, uh, in, you know, out of us work fast and, and get guys out. And so not having roles, I, I don't think is going to be a problem going forward. Okay. So if the giants won 88 games this year, if they replicated what the 2009 giants did, that is, I don't know. What is it like 12 games over five, whatever, whatever that number is. Um, would you be how happy would you be with that kind of season? You know what? <clears throat> this season, my happiness is going to be what happens before the trade deadline. And and I know a lot of Giants fans, they don't want to hear that. I mean, I, you know, I posted something about that on Twitter. I said, you know, the Giants are running guys out there, starting pitchers. They got to get wood in there. They got to get Logan Webb some starts. They got everybody some starts because they got to showcase these guys for the trade deadline. And somebody commented and said, the Giants are just concentrating on winning. And I said, well, I guarantee you they're concentrating on both. <laughs> yeah, it, it, they absolutely want to win, but there is a trade deadline and a lot of teams are going to be active at that trade deadline. The Giants finally have prospects they can use for for trade bait to get somebody. So if the, so, I think my happiness is going to be, uh, yeah, if we win 88 games, I'll be ecstatic because that's a winning record yeah. and the Giants haven't had a winning it record. It would be 14 years. games over 500, by the way. 14. I mean, that's fantastic. 14 games over 500. We were 50-50 last year, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's a, well, they were actually under 500 last year. Um, and, and there's that possibility of then securing that second wild card spot and getting that one game wild card, uh, which would be awesome. I mean, you, you, more baseball, the better. But for me, it's going to be what do we do at the trade deadline? Do we bring new guys in, um, minor leaguers uh, or guys who are ready to play and, and compete next year? Who do we lose at that trade deadline from our farm system? Who do we lose from our major league roster? What is our philosophy at the trade deadline? If we're 14 games over 500 nearing the trade deadline and they start selling players uh, from the major league roster, I'm not going to be happy. That's, that's going to be a failure in my book because you now have a chance to compete. Yes, I know a lot of these guys are not going to be there next year. But that could really drive that fire and say, yeah, we're not going to be here next year. So let's win it. 
Let's win this thing. We're gelling. We are a great team. We are playing very good baseball. Let's go for it. So I think, yeah, I'm going to be ecstatic with 14 games over 500, but I want to see what happens at that trade deadline. Buster Posey has proven his worth and then some for this season. Next year, he's on the hook, or the Giants are on the hook, for $22 million unless... They buy him out for $3 million. Based on what you've seen, based on how Buster has looked, obviously we're barely a month into the season. Injuries can be a thing, and it's quite possible that you know something could happen later in the season that would make this decision for them. But if this version of Buster exists for the uh, entire season, what do you think they do as far as bringing him back? Because you know the fan base is going to be so frenetic about not letting Buster get away. Like what? What is his value? He's not. If he he's not. He's probably not a twenty two million dollar player, <laughs> but he's going to be you know much better than probably any catcher that they could find on the free agent market for sure. And I just don't know what the value of that is. Is it a one-year, $12 million deal as we wait for Bart to get ready? Is it a uh, you know two-year, two $20 million deal? Like, What does that look like for you as a both a fan of Buster, but also a fan of the Giants, and you, know, you want the Giants to use their money wisely? So if you remember <clears throat> last week... On overreaction Tuesday, <laughs> the, the day after uh, Buster Posey hit a, a, a pair of home runs, um, I said, do you resign Posey? Actually, you know what? I think, yeah, yeah, I did it at eight o'clock in the morning. So uh, I said, do you resign Posey to a three or four year deal? Because if you're going to resign Posey, uh, three or four years, probably a little too much. I probably should have said, uh, you know, like a two year deal. And trade Joey Bart for another league-proven bat or starting pitcher next season. You can you have somebody you can lock up for two or three years. Obviously, you're not going to trade Joey Bart for a for a, for a rental. That that's not going to happen. You're going to get Bart. Not unless uh, your name is Zach Wheeler. <laughs> that's true. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's painful. Um, or do you just kind of keep the court? So I said, so, so I, I put that poll out there. I said, what do you do? 57.1% said Bart starts in 2022 and only 42.9% said resign Posey and trade Bart. So out there, there are people that want to see Posey stay. There are, you know, from our unscientific small poll, Bart is the favorite to start for the Giants in 2022. I'm shell-shocked with what I saw from Joey Bart last year. Um, I would be extremely comfortable with the Giants signing Buster Posey for two more years. I mean, granted, you know, Joey Bart's 24 years old. He He's at that cusp now where you got, you've got to bring him up this season pretty much. Or if you don't, he needs to be on the opening day roster next year, or he needs to be traded. But I would love to see Posey sign for another two years. The Giants have Patrick Bailey waiting in the wings. He's only 21. He's got a couple more years. Um, 
Joey Bart is one of those prospects, though, that is going to bring you a haul. And I'm okay with that because the Giants are playing good baseball right now. Do they need Joey Bart? Yeah, probably. Is he going to be a backup to Posey next year? He could be. I mean, he could be for a year or two, maybe. So do they decline that option on Buster Posey for the $22 million, sign him one year, $10 million, $11 million? fantastic catcher. He's getting around on the inside fastballs again. Um, his hip looks fantastic. Uh, I think it's just heating up too. I mean, the weather's cold. He's just heating up once, uh, once he gets going. That's, a, that's an old guy thing, by the way, the, that's the weather. Big time old. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, it's a little cold. <laughs> got to wait until the summer months so that he, his body heats up. <laughs> I got, I got to tell you, it was kind of drizzly here in Reno today. And it's, uh, I don't know, we hit like 48 degrees was our high. And, uh, I felt like, ah, I don't want to do anything today. I'm a little, a little achy. The knees are kind of bugging me. So, so yeah, so I know that feeling. And, uh, so I think he is kind of heating up a little bit. Um, he did have a year off last year. So, He's well-rested. I'm okay with trading Bart and signing Posey for a couple of years. I'm also okay with keeping Bart, signing Posey for a couple of years, and having Bart play behind him. Um, and then maybe Posey gets, you know, 90 games, 95 games, and then goes back to first base and, and splits time with whoever's at first base next mm-hmm. year. Uh, that's, yeah, a, a that, little, that, that's, that's a wrinkle there because he could play first yeah, base. Yeah. You can have a La Stella Posey uh, platoon over at at first. Or they they resign. They keep Cueto and po- Posey just catches Cueto, so so that Bart doesn't have to catch him. <laughs> there you go. There, what is that? Thirty two, thirty three <laughs> games behind the plate. There you go. I like that. <laughs> so that that's what I would do uh, if I was the GM. That's what I would do. I would I would hang on to Posey for a couple more years. Bring Bart up. You got that extra bat. The DH is going to be here, so Posey can also DH. I mean, there's a lot of uh, a lot of options with Posey next year. So I, I say, hang on to him. Yeah. Okay. A um, couple other things here. You know what? Why don't we just get to? Because I can hear it crinkling in the background a little bit. Uh, what is your drink of the evening? <laughs> I went, I wanted a slow drinker tonight. <clears throat> so I got the, uh, the Zevia, uh, caffeine free cola. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fancier. Uh, it's not as fancy as it sounds. Um, so I, I got that and I put the, the two ounces of the wild Turkey one oh one in there. It's a nice, that's a really nice flavor. The combination of those two, it's kind of that sweet woody taste. And, uh, I, I just wanted something to kind of sip on tonight. Cause I knew we had a, I knew we had a big show, got the game tonight. Uh, giants are at home. Colorado's coming in for three. Speaking of Colorado, we're going to hit on their GM in a minute. I'm yeah, what the I, I haven't even really read up on that, but I did see all the stuff that was going on. What a mess. Yeah. What a mess. But yeah, so that's what I'm, I'm kind of slow sipping on that tonight. What do you got? So I have uh, a Winchester Double Oak Bourbon. Now, I've bought this before. I, I can only find it at like your, you know, your BevMo's or your Total Wines. And it is... Uh, artfully finished on sherry barrel staves. I literally do not know what that means. <laughs> sherry. Okay. So sherry barrels are usually from Spain. Okay. And all scotch um, in Scotland is aged in Spanish 
sherry okay okay which gives it that really unique flavor so that that's where that comes from. so notes of caramel and vanilla dance over the subtle oak nuance imparted from charred new white oak gold metal beverage testing institute that's a mouthful. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I've seen I've seen Winchester on a lot of bars, yeah. but I haven't had it yet. It is um, it is not. I wouldn't say it's as easy as some bourbons because there's some bourbons you could literally take large gulps of these bourbons. And be totally fine. And like they're smooth and they're clean and you don't get that like really like harsh feeling as it goes down. This is not that. This actually, when I drink it, it feels a little bit more like a scotch whiskey than it does like a bourbon. Um, but the reason why I liked it is because, you know, I, I whenever I go to these grocery stores I or, or uh, these BevMo's or whatever. I'm just looking for something new. And sometimes literally the bottle is what sells me like it because yeah, it looks cool. Yeah. Um, but really, I'm just like going, oh, yeah, you know, I haven't had this before. Let's get this. I haven't had this before. And I did have this once before and I remember liking it. So I picked it up again. It's probably been uh, over a year now. Uh, but yeah, so a, a really good. I have it. I have it with ice because if I don't have it with ice, it is a little bit more heated, and so you're gonna, you know, you're gonna have to sip it a little bit more slowly. But uh, yeah, it's 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 really good, and you know, we've been recording now for like forty minutes, and I'm already done with it. So, oh man, well, one I can recommend <clears throat> if you want to write it down next time you go to Bevmo. I had it in a. Uh, a restaurant in not many people listening to this have probably been there, but Genoa, Nevada. Um, they have the bucket of blood. Oh my God. Bar there. Yeah. No, no, sorry. Bucket of blood is up in Virginia city. Uh, oh God, what the hell is the name of the place? I can't remember right now. Genoa, Nevada has this really cool little bar and it's called the oldest bar in Nevada. <laughs> Is it true? <laughs> they, cl- they claim it. And it's and they don't dust anything to make it look older. So. Oh, God. <laughs> so who, who knows if it really is or not. But they had some Jefferson's uh, Ocean Bourbon. And it is some of the best bourbon I've ever had. They're a little bit pricey. Jefferson's Ocean, huh? Jefferson's Ocean. And, and it is really just outrageously tasty. And so that's always on my list. And then I look and I go, yeah, but I can get Evan Williams from like, nine. But one of these days I'm going to spring for it. Let me see if I can get the exact name. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a hundred. <laughs> so, you so know, I've if had, you want I've to, I Jefferson's think, reserve for sure, but I've not had okay. the oceans. I wonder what the difference is. Yeah. I had, I had like a bourbon taster. It was like four, you know, four glasses. And that was one of the ones that they poured in there. And it was the Jefferson's Ocean Single Barrel Select. And it's $100, but I think it would be worth it. Because every once in a while, you got to spring for something like that and just stick it in the shelf. And then you're like, two years later, when I finish this, I'll replace it with something just as expensive. Because if I get something like that... That's coming out like once a month yeah. for, you know, for a, for a drink, but not, that's not, that's not an every week drink. 
Very interesting. Yeah, because I've seen the Jefferson Reserve a lot. Uh, you know that that's pretty. You can even find that at grocery stores, but not the not the uh, the ocean ones. I'm definitely gonna have to check that out. Um, and yeah, well, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig for that one. The next time I go to a store, I'm gonna dig for that one. Um, okay, so let's finish this off. We have a player of the week. Uh, the previous players of the week for the Thompson and Clark podcast. Week one was Buster. Week two was Crawford. Week three was Alex Wood, and you took to Twitter, you took to Facebook, and you put up three players, and the fans chose a winner. Who are those three players, and who's the winner? It was overwhelming this week. I didn't even think that it was going to be this overwhelming, but I gave three options. Kevin Gossman, uh, this week he went 14 innings with a .64 ERA, only gave up eight hits. He was a little um, shaky in his Tuesday start against um, the Phillies in Philadelphia. He did have four walks and I think six innings. But overall in the week, 14 innings, 16 strikeouts. He did win one of those games. Uh, Number two to pick from was Buster Posey, who um, has a chance to be the second player of the week. We haven't had a repeat yet. Uh, Buster had a .51 WOBA this week. One of <laughs> my favorite stats. One of my favorites. <laughs> I love that stat. That's, uh, you know, your weighted on-base average, how you create runs for your team. He had two home runs, uh, scored four times, drove in two runs, hit three oh eight on the week. Uh, Alex Dickerson hit 350 this week in 21 plate appearances. He had a home run for uh, RBIs, uh, scored four times, and he only struck out one time in those 21 plate appearances. But it was absolutely overwhelming. 93% of the vote went to Kevin Gossman. So there is your player of the week. And uh, now we have two pitchers and uh, two hitters uh, to split our four players of the week so far. All right, so I have a question for you now, which is, do you think Kevin Gossman, as he is today, do you think we can actually call him that three-letter word that signifies one of the best pitchers in baseball, which is an ace? I, I, I've got to say... I'm going to pull up his full season stats here real quick. But what he has done this season to build off of last season is absolutely amazing. Um, He's working with all of his pitches. Um, They're calling his splitter basically one of the best pitches in baseball. Right? I mean, that's uh, that's what I've heard. Yeah, it was like, I think there was like one hit off of the thing and like... Uh, the I forgot how many pitches, how many splitters he's thrown, and how many hits. But then, so they they pull out that stat, and then the next game he gives up like three hits off of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Of course, why not? I mean, that's gonna happen. He does lead the league right now in two categories, though. Uh, innings pitched, thirty three and two thirds. What does that mean? Who knows? It means he's probably got one more start than everybody else. Uh, and one hundred and thirty batters faced. So far, um, you, you know, so he, he is a workhorse uh, last year, you know, in the shortened season, he started uh, 
only 10 of the 12 games that he played in. Cause remember at the beginning of the season, they were just kind of working guys in. It was, it was an extended spring mm-hmm. training. So, you know, guys weren't starting ball games, but so far in five starts this season, he's got a, uh, you know, a 2.14 ERA. His FIP is 3.13. Um, Still re- really, really good um, FIP. But in 33 and two-thirds innings, he's only given up 19 hits, walked 10, struck out 34. I mean, he's just absolutely dealing. Any team in Major League Baseball could take this guy uh, and he could be a number one or number two for you. Unless you're like the Dodgers or the Padres, he could be a you know three or, or a four, which is amazing what the giants are doing right now. Cause they're smack dab right in the middle between it's like the giants are the, um, are the dad, you know, breaking up the two brothers mm-hmm. fighting right now. So you got the Dodgers and the Padres just hate each other. And the giants are in the middle trying to break them up. And like, you know what? I'm going to grab you. I'm going to throw you in the room and throw you in the room, separate you two. I'm going to go have a beer. And then uh, dad wins. So that's, that's what the giants are trying to pull off right now. But but that's what's amazing. The Giants have Kevin Gossman as their ace. Uh, and then you go down the list and you go, none of these other guys last year were a two or a three or even a four maybe. Um, but the Giants are taking that pitching staff and just dominating right now. So to see what Disco can do tonight and see what the, the rest of the, the, the rotation does the rest of the week, super excited. But yes, I would absolutely call Kevin Gossman an ace at this point. All right, let's get, uh, let's get to a couple of news, quick news things. I think most of the fans, uh, most of the Giants fans and most people listening to this kind of know what's going on here. Baby Yaz, he's going to miss some games. He's got the mild oblique strain. I think they want to try and avoid putting him on the DL. And obliques are nasty. I mean, those <clears throat> those will knock you out for like six weeks. Uh, Cueto missed another start. It looks like he's actually going to be still a couple of weeks away. In his stead, Logan Webb pitched well and hit very well. Also, uh, hit, hit a triple, yeah. uh, run scoring triple. And... Um, Solano Crawford a little bit dinged up. Looks like Crawford could be back on Tuesday. And that meant that one of your favorite players, I feel like he's one of your favorite players because he plays like you would have played back in your day. Jason Vossler joins the big club, gets his first hit yesterday. So I imagine you're pretty happy to see Vossler come up. You were very high on him in, in spring training. He was one of your uh, spring flings. Uh, and so hopefully he'll, he'll get some ABs and he'll get some opportunities. I imagine once people uh, are healthy again, he'll probably go back down. But I, I would love to see him get a little bit of playing time and get some opportunities because he seems like the kind of guy that is very easy to root for. And he's kind of like a little bit of a fire starter, uh, a little bit of a... Um, a guy to kind of get your team going. So I like guys like that. And I, I hope he does a little bit here before, you know, probably going to get sent down sooner than later. Yeah. And here, and, and uh, I'm going to throw a little fantasy <clears throat> baseball into this mix too, because you can be honest. Yes. Me, Garrett, we are co-owners of a national league only team. I dropped Logan Webb three days ago, I think, uh, to pick up Spencer Howard, 
from the Phillies who has <laughs> had his, his last two appearances. And because I thought, well, Logan Webb's only going to get one more start. He's not pitching that great. And then Cueto's going to come back. Well, then, you know, whoever picked him up had a fantastic outing from Webb yesterday and is going to get another start from him, it looks like, and possibly two more. Um, are you mad at me? No, because baseball is a long game. And a lot of times, uh, because of this National League only league, we don't have a ton of guys who are constantly playing. So you're always trying to find ABs and you're always trying to find offense. And I feel like there is a surplus of fifth starters, which is essentially what Logan Webb is. You can always just stream, find a fifth starter to, to, to plug in if you need be, but you get so hard to find ABs in this league. Like I didn't even think about how hard it would be when we first started. No. And, and I did, to make it up to you, I picked up Jason there we go. Hostler. Because with the Giants injuries on the infield, he's I, I figured, oh, he's going to get a start. Well, he, he didn't get a start the next day. I picked him up Saturday. So Sunday, he didn't get a start. Uh, he did come in for Flores when Flores got banged up. Uh, Flores is back in the lineup tonight. Uh, and, and so Vossler is not starting. Uh, so I tried to make it up to you, and I felt bad. And and I'm glad no, you're not, not at all with me, because <laughs> I'm just because <laughs> after I saw the start yesterday, I said that's fantastic. He's pitching awesome. I mean, it's like <laughs> for our fantasy team. You know, I blew it, but you know that stuff happens. It happens all the time. But um, but yeah, I love Osler. I I love his combination of power. He's uh, got a little bit of speed. Stole a base yesterday. That was awesome. He got his first base hit, and like two pitches later, stole his first base. Um, so he's uh you know, is he going to be a twenty twenty guy this year? No, he's not going to be a twenty twenty guy. Um, is he going to hit twenty home? He's going to be a five. But five if he got enough. Guy. I, I, you know what? He could be a 10, 10 guy. I think, I think he could be a 10, 10 guy. The giants are like right in the middle of the pack of the stolen bases right now at like 12, I think, or 13. And, uh, the Padres have like 31. I mean, the, the, the go, go <laughs> Padres, uh, you know, they're like, the, like the Cardinals from the late eighties is pretty, or mid eighties. It's pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, I, I like Vossler's game. I'd love to see him get a couple of starts. He actually played a p- pretty solid third base, uh, yesterday. I made a couple of nice plays. Um, but yeah, he is my type of ball player. Just kind of gritty, throw him out there wherever you want. And Listella, those both of those guys. I love Listella's at bats. I love that he tracks every pitch extremely dramatically. Like he'll, uh, you know, an outside pitch, he'll step oh, yeah. over the plate into the glove. Oh god, I absolutely love that because my thought on that is if a catcher can steal it can steal a pitch by framing an outside fastball quickly, get that, get that glove over the plate, frame it quick. I think, yeah, you know what? A batter can steal a pitch by on the outside corner, dramatically step over and go, yeah, I was outside. I mean, I, I have no problem with that. I think it's awesome. And I think Listella does a great job with that. All right. Last uh, two things here. We're going to end the show with, uh, I'm just going to quiz Brad on a couple things and, and, and we'll end it. But before that, just two uh, quick series, two three gamers with the Rockies starting today. The Giants finally get a day off on Thursday. And then they have uh, the Padres um, 
they go to San Diego for a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So, what is your prediction for this? These three games. I, I personally, I feel like if you take two out of three from the Rockies and then you take one out of three from San Diego, you're you're still in the same spot, and that's actually pretty good. Um, you know, the Padres are. What are they? They're a couple games behind the Giants uh, in, in the West. Yeah, they're two games exactly. But when you look at sort of a little bit, you, you dig a little bit deeper, they've scored 13 more runs than the Giants. They've just given up 14 more. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, they're probably going to, you know, they'll eventually start to to go on, you know, some streaks. So they're too good not to. But so far, I would say if you're a Padres fan, you're like, huh, where where's this... Uh, this killer team that we thought, uh, but you know, they're, they're still too, you know, they haven't played terrifically well and there's still two games over 500. So that, that just shows you how much talent they have on the flip side. The Rockies are eight and 13. They uh, are actually scoring runs. They've scored 20 more runs than the giants have. They've just given up 24 more runs than the giants have. Uh, so some of this is, is just simply like if they could actually <laughs> pitch the ball a little bit, they may not be too bad, but uh, what do you think? What do you think about this week? Well, the giants play the Padres tough. Uh, of course they've got to go to San Diego again. I mean, the, the schedule this year so far is kind of a mess. Uh, the giants don't play the Dodgers until, uh, you know, back to back weekends in late May, but they've got to go to San Diego twice before San Diego even comes to us, which is super weird, but the giants play really well down there. Uh, nice big ballpark just like Oracle Park. Uh, so when they go down there, the pitching staff always you know, does a really good job. Giants kind of seem to come out. I, I think the Giants can sweep the Rockies. Uh, that That's a, a no problem there. Um, I shouldn't say no problem, but you, you know they, they could sweep them and they could take two out of three from the Padres. This could be another 5-1 week. Uh, five in one week, but I, I think they're going to, they're, they're definitely going to win both wow. series. Um, you know, it's, it could be a two, one, two, one, uh, just as easily. So it could be a four and two week, but I think the giants just continue to win series and that's what they're doing right now. Um, I just want to look at the pitching, uh, matchups for, uh, the pot, the, uh, Rockies series, it's going to be Gomber, Gomber tonight and Disco. Uh, then you've got Chi Chi Gonzalez and Aaron Sanchez. And then on Wednesday, you've got, uh, uh, German Marquez against Wood. Uh, now looking at Woods ERA at 0.75, <laughs> it's always nice, uh, you know, this early in the season. So, I think the Giants can win that series. I mean, you know, German Marquez, he's a very tough pitcher, awesome rookie season last year, uh, really nasty stuff. But I think the Giants can, you know, can, can sweep this series if the magic still continues to happen. If things go south in this series, I start to wonder about the magic, and I, I start to wonder if, um, you know, if, we, if we've seen the best of it early on and now um, – the fact that they're not hitting kind of catches up to them. Uh, I hate to say it, but I, I, I kind of have a feeling like that might start happening at some point. Um, but Alex Dickerson said in an interview, this team is ready to explode. This team is right on the verge of offensively exploding. So I'd like to see that start tonight. I don't want to wait another couple days. Uh, 
I'm old. These, you know, <laughs> three to one and two you to want one some laughers so you can go. You can just turn the game off in the yeah. seventh inning. Ah, oh, we're up twelve three. We got it. Yeah. Well, unless you're the Dodgers and you're up seven one like last night and then you oh, lose yeah. eight to seven. So I had to. So, so what's up with the, with the GM? He, I know he got fired. Is this related to the Arenado thing? So Jeff British, the GM for the Rockies, he's been around with the team since 2004. Uh, Dick Manfort is the owner. He asked him pretty much to step down because as they're opening up the ballpark and letting more fans in, more and more fans are wearing the uh, fire Mm. British shirt. And so the owner who actually, you know, reading the article on The Athletic, real nice article by uh, Nick Groke on The Athletic, he he wrote the fact that um, the owner, uh, Manfort, is the one who orchestrated uh, getting uh, Nolan Arenado out of town. Um, you know, if you remember, Arenado was traded for like, you know, they, they gave the Cardinals $51 million And so, oh, no, we'll, we'll go ahead and take care of $51 million What, what did Canseco say when uh, he got traded for Ruben Sierra? He's like, oh, yeah, they traded me oh, like uh, a couple of tacos and a burrito. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And then and then and then to top it off, what did Larusa call Ruben Sierra yeah. the village idiot? Wow. Uh, that's classic stuff. Uh, <laughs> um and and so, you know, that whole thing went down and everybody blamed British because, you know, British did make the whole Arenado um fight thing public. He took that public uh, back, uh, you know, last year uh, because Arenado was basically saying, hey, we're not trying to compete. I signed this extension and we're somehow not trying to compete. And so they got him out of town. And so, yeah, British is fired. The the thing is, um, the fans really want Clint Hurdle. Oh, yeah. I remember Clint Hurdle, manager of the Rockies, manager of the Pirates. They want him back as the head of baseball operations to kind of oversee everything. That's really? the Zadie role. Uh, yeah, they would love to see him come back. But Manfort went ahead and grabbed his best buddy, Greg Fiesel, who's in the uh, organization. And uh, he's a, the chief operating officer to the club president. And they promoted him to head of baseball operations. Both these guys are money guys and they open up this brand new like marketplace across the street. They got hit uh, big time because of COVID. They opened it up and it was going to be this grand new thing for them uh, at the opening of the 2020 season. And uh, it, it hasn't made any money. So they've got these two money guys heading up the organization. And uh, so, you know, you, you know what's going to happen to Colorado in the next few years at some point, Three years down the line from now, they're going to pull a Florida Marlins, not a Miami Marlins, but a Florida Marlins. And they're going to go out and they're going to spend a ton of money, make big trades, put together a dream team, win a World Series and then sell them off the next year because that's what Mm -hmm. money guys do. Yeah. Well, I mean, what are they going to do with Trevor Story? Like they're going to have to sign him unless they just let him go or does he get traded this year? He's going to have to get traded. He's a free agent next year. I mean, he's one of the ones that, you know, the Giants, anytime you see a list of shortstop free agents, um, 
you know, Lindor was on that list. He's off it now, but Trevor story was the next big name. Um, you know, if the giants don't resign Brandon Crawford, uh, Trevor story is kind of going to be, uh, him and, and Corey Seager are both going to be big targets of the giants. So they may want to lock them up or else you're going to see him go to a national league West, uh, okay. rival. quickly, because we've actually gone a little bit longer than I thought we would today. Uh, I just want to give you some quick trivia questions about this current team as it relates to their statistics. Who do you think leads the team in overall hits? Hmm. Overall hits. Let me think. Uh, I'll try to do this quickly. Is it Buster Buster Posey? Buster Posey is not. Buster Posey has 13 hits, but he's also played in only 15 games. The person who has played the most game, the second most games, uh, Dickerson and Flores have played 23 games. Baby Yaz and his 215 batting average actually leads the team in hits with 17 because he also leads the entire team in ABs. Has he struck out 100 well, times yet? Uh, we don't even have, we don't even have to quiz that one then because you're on it. He he leads the team in strikeouts. <laughs> Austin Slater second with 26 strikeouts. Wow, that's a lot of and th- and this is a team going into the season. This team's going to get on base. They're not going to strike out a lot. But as we've seen the first four weeks of the season, a lot of strikeouts. So you you would imagine that one Brandon Belt leads the team in walks. He actually does, but he is tied with another player who also has 10 walks. Who do you believe that is? It's not going to be Listella because he doesn't have enough ABs. I'm going to go with Slater. Slater is second with nine walks. Again, baby Yaz. So wow. you know, he's got 10 walks, he, 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 but he's just not he's just not uh, hitting the ball where they ain't uh, so far. Yeah, so he's hitting 215. Real three. Brandon. Mm-hmm. Br- Br- and he was what, 400 Bell, last year? 216, OBP 339. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, okay. <laughs> That's a gap. All right, so one more offense, and then we'll go defense. Uh, who leads the team in overall slugging percentage? And this, you know, th- this person will we'll make it so that, you know, there's a good amount of, of uh, at-bats because the person who's actually second is Darren Ruff, but he only has 26 real at-bats. So, he, you know, he, he's number two. But who would be number one? Number one in uh, home runs, slugging. Or slugging. Slugging. Um, number one in slugging is going to be you got Evan it. Longoria. Evan Longoria, and then I'm I'm just looking I'm just looking at the 2021 opening day roster. As Buster Posey. So that's what I'm is uh, right behind him. Uh, if you're you know if we if we put the the uh, minimum at at 30 abs, Buster Posey would be second. Okay, let's move to the pitching. Um. I think some of this stuff is, is pretty easy because, uh, you know, we talked about Gossman as an ace. Gossman leads the starters in strikeouts. But who do you think is second in strikeouts for the starting pitchers? And you said, oh, uh, Gossman's so Gossman is by one. far. By far. But this other person does have more than a strikeout per inning 
I'm going to go with Desclafani is not the right answer. It is actually oh. Logan Webb. Mm. He's, well, he's yeah, got a lot I mean, of he's starts. Get, he's given up more than a hit in inning, but he's also striking out more than one per inning. But he's, you know, he he's walking a, a fair amount of guys too. But at least, you know, at least by by having that many strikeouts, it does show that that he is able to miss bats. He's just going to need to miss them a little bit more. Yeah, and he had a good. Let's see, what did he have yesterday? Uh, eight strikeouts. Okay, well, that kind of pushed him up over the top there. Okay, so you had mentioned that uh, Jake McGee. He's got seven saves. You mentioned Peralta and Rogers. They had also saves last week. But out of those three, Jake has the most save opportunities. He's got eight. Mm -hmm. There are one, two, three, four, five other people have save opportunities for the Giants. Who is second in the number of save opportunities. Is this, this has got to be a trick question because. Or not. Or maybe I wanted to give you a layup. Uh, or. Okay. Because right. I, I could have sworn. This is not my final answer. I could have sworn I've seen Harleen Garcia in there with a couple of like two chances. Garcia has I, one. He does have one. Okay, he has one. Okay, all right. Um, I got to go with Wandy. Wandy has three. Tyler Rogers has four. Oh, wow. Four save opportunities. So, uh, for Amazing. last one here, overall games, we know that Tyler Rogers is like on pace to throw in like a hundred games. <laughs> 162. He's already pitched in 14 uh, out of their 22 games. Who is number two on that list? And they actually have three relievers who are in double digits already in games pitched. Gosh. I got, okay. Matt Whistler, we see him a lot, like more than I like 10.13 ERA. Yeah, uh, we see him. So I'm going to go. So you're talking about in second overall in, in, uh, in overall games pitch. It's going to be either Wandy or Whistler, but I'm Whistler gonna... is third with 11. Mac Cheese, 12 games. What the hell is Gabe doing? Oh, that's cow. right. This, oh, guy's supposed, gosh, darn this guy's supposed to close <laughs> games for us, and he's already thrown 12. I can't believe I blew that one because the other night he was in there in a non-save opportunity after getting a save the night before and pitching the night before that. And I'm yeah. like, why is he in a five-to-one ball game? throw the, the game after where, when we needed him. <laughs> no, no. So, yeah, that was, yeah. That, that's what I talked about earlier. It, the pressure and all of, the, all of that's going to fall on Gabe Kapler right now because, yeah, you got all these guys that can throw – but you got to manage it right, dude. You got to, if a guy, 
in a five to one ball game, if you don't need to see him, don't see him. Yeah, you know, bring somebody exactly. else in. So, all right, so we are done here. Uh, we will be back next week. Like I said, you know, we're gonna try to do some live streams because they're really fun. But we just also want to make sure that people are watching. So hit up that uh, YouTube channel, subscribe. Uh, also, our Facebook page where we can stream to the Facebook page as well. So we have a Facebook page at Thompson and Clark. We also have a Facebook group at Thompson and Clark. Definitely check those out. And also, you know. I would say eight out of 10 games, Brad is, is doing some pretty cool tweeting on the play-by-play of the games. Uh, really fun to follow. I, I laugh like uh, at every other tweet. I'm, I'm laughing because of some gift that you've posted or whatever. <laughs> well, and tonight, I, I think I might pour more bourbon. And so tonight there might be a little interesting. There we go. As long as we don't get fired. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Twitter, well, we can only get fired by Twitter, right? Uh, All right, so we're done here. Thanks to everybody for listening. So for Brad, I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out. Peace.